Cynic Empowerment. Last time on Cynic Empowerment. He's got like a little timer on his phone. He's in the middle of like a routine traffic stop. You know, license and registration. Oh, it seems like your tags are expired. And then this little timer's just like beep, 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 beep. And he's like, time for the regular employment. <laughs> he drags yeah. the guy out of the car and just starts beating the hell out of him. <laughs> yeah. Yep, oh this is it. This is part of being a Kentucky State Police motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You know your like, rights. Because <laughs> then I'm going to get jumped three times or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is totally unfair. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know what else I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's a very short list, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, fuck you. That's too kind. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Uh, you uh, shut up. I'm done with you. <laughs> okay, so, well, I, I do know. I'm going to say I don't know, but I do know. So, I was going to say is that I don't know why uh, Purdue would give distributors a rebate for every Oxycontin overdose attributable to pills they sold. I would say that I don't know why, but I do know why, and the why is profit. <laughs> okay, say say that first part again. Let's let's break that down. Okay, okay. So, so this, Purdue, is, this is from the uh, New York Times article that you sent, right? Yeah. So Purdue uh, would give distributors a rebate. They would give them money. Mm-hmm. They would give them extra money for mm-hmm. every oxycotton overdose attributable to the pills they sold. Yeah, thereby incentivizing it. And incentivizing, like what the, How once the again, if we, if this was, if I was writing a fictional novel where I was trying to create the most evil pharmaceutical company ever, and let's say this hypothetical pharmaceutical company was a, a opioid pill company, and then I have that opioid pill company give money to distributors every time they could claim an overdose was caused by one of their pills, people would laugh at me and say, grow up and write a better book. <laughs> they would <laughs> yeah, say, that's come, lazy writing. come on, how cartoonish are you? Oh, 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 because that makes sense. If they're dead, they can't buy more pills, idiot. You're stupid. <laughs> Why would they incentivize that, dumb, dumb? But, but that's exactly what they did. It's not focused on, like, this particular business model is not focused on the consumer, which happens to pay the price for, um, uh, you know, unfortunately being, uh, you know, poorly educated or presented with addictive substances or within a medical industry that looks to, um, uh, you know, utilize them as a resource instead of the person who's ultimately receiving some kind of benefit from the supply chain. So... Here, I think that the distributors are ultimately the consumer. So uh, what is per- Purdue is effectively doing well, is uh, it, instead of incentivizing like them to, uh, you know, say overdose, it, it, it kind of seems more to me like a, an, an insurance policy. Like if someone does happen to overdose from OxyContin, which you know to be an addictive substance, you see, you know, you're the ones that are actually dealing with with the distribution of this drug. So there are people that are coming to you like, Hey, I literally have, um, an Oxycontin addiction and I need more Oxycontin. Uh, can you give it to me? And they're of course the, you know, the buffer between the producer of said thing, uh, 
uh, and the people asking that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, in effect, uh, because they know that to be the case, because they know that to be a super addictive substance, then they're going to look to Purdue and be like, look, I don't think that we can actually distribute this with good conscience." And then Purdue's like, how about this? How about any How about we incentivize it? <laughs> yeah. Well, anytime somebody overdoses, we'll give you a rebate in order to bolster you against, uh, any kind of like legal, uh, runoff that would occur from someone overdosing or in order to prevent you from feeling so bad over the course of, uh, you know, of time, you know, maybe you'd start to like, uh, um, you know, compartmentalize this as being your fault. It's not your fault. So here's a little bit of something to make you forget about the fact that, um, you know, you're, you're part of this, this, uh, um, you know, this meat grinder and, uh, just, just forget about all of that. Just, just take this rebate. Um, Hmm. I, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily like just directly evil though, right? Like it it can't just simply be that they're like, let's see how many people we can kill because yeah. then they wouldn't have people to buy their product. Well the thing is is that it's an incredibly addictive substance and it so it just kind of just keeps going. And so even if you kill people, it's like so what? There's there's forty other suckers that if we give them too high of a dose or that they're likely to get addicted. And just keep mm-hmm. continuing the the, the cycle. Um, yeah, I yeah. For me, it almost just seems like mm-hmm. uh, rewarding just overconsumption. That oh, yeah. uh, like of what you're saying of just making it to where pe- the 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 distributors aren't necessarily concerned about the uh, dosages for the medicine that they're giving out, and that mm-hmm. if they're giving higher dosages, they can charge more for it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I yeah, I feel like it's all yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, What do you know about uh, the McKinsey Law Firm? They're the people that Pete Buttigieg used to work for, and they're they're a uh, well, McKinsey. I thought it was a uh, not a law firm, but a um, consultant firm, consulting agency, consultant Uh firm. Yeah, so basically, um, (laughs) what they do, and so they're the ones that that proposed doing this to Purdue Pharma. So this wasn't just Purdue Pharma's idea. They paid these asshole McKinsey. To like, hey, how about mm-hmm. this? Every time someone gets an overdose, uh, you give them money. <laughs> because mm-hmm. if you look at this chart here, you'll make more money if you do this. And so that's kind of what, that's cause that's McKinsey's bread and butter. That's every consulting company's bread and butter is you mm-hmm. find up fucked up ways to make more money. And mm-hmm. so kind of like the, the game of Go, you just need one point to win. And the game of consulting, if you can just show someone a chart to say, hey, you make more money if you do this, the companies normally, will normally do it. And it also, it kind of gives uh, the uh, companies themselves, like Purdue Pharma, an excuse of, oh, it wasn't our mm-hmm. idea. It was McKinsey's idea. They yeah. told us to do it. Yeah, plausible deniability. <laughs> and the, um, yeah, yep, that's it. That's what that's what consulting companies do, and and uh, you know when mm-hmm. when the when the data and the charts and the and the, the the pie graphs and everything else show you that giving rebates on um, overdoses leads to more money in the long run, then that's what you do mm-hmm. in the pursuit of money. <laughs> for sure, and to put these things in in perspective for the average person who has to deal with real numbers. You get a rebate of $14,810 per event, which meant that Purdue would pay CVS $36.8 million in 2019. Yeah. Um, that's, I guess that's a that, lot. That's called, that's called a legal bribe. <laughs> yes. <yeah, seriously. laughs> 
Here you go. We're yeah. going to slip you uh, tens of millions of dollars under the table in our re- wink, wink, nudge, nudge rebate program, mm-hmm. and you're going to shut the fuck up and keep selling these pills for us. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, 2,484 CVS customers would either have an overdose or develop an opioid use disorder. That's a lot of people. Oh. Um, I'm kind of curious as to what kind of impact having 2,484 people uh, either having overdoses or having an opioid use disorder just whoa, running whoa, whoa. around in your opioid society. Opioid disuse disorder? That, that's just called uh, that's called a repeat customer, Tim. Don't co- Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, take Language. it easy. Yeah, these 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 terms are are incorrect. We need to update these. We need a little makeover. <laughs> those those uh, are those are our, um, those are our our best customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, repeat customers. All right, come on back, and we'll sell you more, uh, and more and more and more. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is pretty sorry. Um, it's dystopian you know, Of course, all of this going on behind field. closed doors until it's too late. Yeah, happening behind <laughs> closed doors before it's too late. And, you know, McKinsey still exists. I mean, they're they're doing this shit all over the place. I think McKinsey also, they did, they basically created a, uh, I think they got sued for this in Canada, a bread, I don't think bread mafia is the right word, but basically a a uh not natural what's the word for that an unnatural bread cost hike in mm-hmm. the entire country of canada there might have been a section i don't know in canada basically just con- like control pricing the bread to rip customers off mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like hey we can charge you could make so much more money if you just consolidated with all the other bread manufacturers and sold your bread for more money it's like wait a second that's a cartel that's illegal yeah that, yeah it's price fixing come on <laughs> yeah man. so yeah they i saw a king of the hill uh, about this <laughs> was it that involved propane mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep totally did <laughs> um hmm. yep yeah uh uh Ugh, lame. <laughs> so lame. <laughs> yeah, lame. just Purdue rearing its ugly head. Uh, and here we are thinking that they're in this this death rattly part of their company. But I, I think that they're just they're about to make out like bandits. Like, well, didn't they? No, we already know they already made out with bandits. Like we found out the Sackler family just transferred well, all of their wealth in Purdue to other companies. Well, and as far as the uh, um, uh, the actual uh, legal sentiment against them. Do they have to actually? Were all of the um, were all of the other cases done away with as a result of the plea deal? Do you, I would do you assume. That, that, like, I would assume such. I would assume that the class action lawsuits against mm-hmm. Purdue, due to Purdue as a company dissolving and being taken over by the government, mm-hmm. that I don't like. I don't know who they would sue unless they're able to get the money from the government somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know any of this. This is just me guessing. Um, so let's I see. could be completely Eight, wrong on all that. $8.3 billion in penalties. Um, yeah. But the Sackler families themselves, uh, you know, members of that family will only have to pay $225 million in civil penalties. And we knew that the Sackler's worth was $12 billion, and they moved most of that into other companies. So so they're getting a slap on their wrist, it would appear, once again. Mm -hmm. Yep, that seems to be the case. 
Nice. How very disappointing. Yeah. Mm. I like uh, it. For profit so, medicine's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So like uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh you should do it, everything based amazing. on profit. You see, mm-hmm. like look at the innovation. You don't get this kind of innovation in socialism, Tim. You don't get the innovation of, of charging rebates of giving Mm -hmm. rebates for overdoses. Like, you just don't see that, okay? This is the kind of innovation that you can only see in the beautiful free market, Mm. you know? And that's why why when when, uh, pro-capitalists, conservatives, and people of that nature, you know, talk about the wonderful innovations of capitalism, you can't argue with them, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. this is it. It's right here. It's under our noses. This is is pure genius. Yeah. Probably not, other than to like keep it a little bit more quiet. Yeah, um, to not get found out. Be all secretive. And whatnot. Here's another fun article. Secret Amazon reports expose the company's surveillance of labor and environmental groups. Nice. Okay. Ooh, how did they figure this out as well? I mean, this is there all kinds of these secret plots being uncovered. Leaked this documents from Amazon's Global Security Operations Center. I'm assuming someone that worked at the Amazon's Global Security Operations Center saw this and finally got to a point where they decided that they no longer felt okay with having this information. And, uh, cause yeah, right here, internal emails, um, obtained by motherboard. I don't know who motherboard is anyways, but yeah, so this is, this is pretty cool. It's kind of like the Pinkerton. I mean, we're, we're kind of just going back a hundred years in, in American history where we were on like the the little we're on the very baby steps of a organized labor movement in the United States as capitalism starts failing us and yeah. people realizing they have to fight back tooth and nail uh in order to not get stomped on their faces with the boot of capitalism and mm-hmm. uh Amazon with all of their amazing fantastic resources uh have decided that it'd be in their uh, per, uh personal financial well-being to spy on these people and crush them at every turn. Oh man, I'm amazed that Pinkertons are still a thing. Like I, I'm, I know we heard a lot about them in in the uh, um, in uh, what the 1850s or so. Like they, yeah. I think they started around, yeah, 1850 on the dot. Um, uh, as um, like what union they, they, busters. And, yeah. Well, I thought the wait. Uh, did the Pinkertons, when they originally started, weren't they the, made to spy on the Confederacy, but then it evolved to be Union Busters, or was it the other way around? They started off as Union Busters. You're you're right. No, you know, that's, that's totally correct. Well, so they, they were uh, established as a security guard and detective agency. Mm-hmm. and um, but It's like the original became... FBI for the— Kind of. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they uh, claimed to have foiled a plot to assassinate Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um and I think to that's give what, themselves legitimacy, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And, but they are the um, well, they were the largest private law enforcement agency in the world. But they were private. Um, they weren't public. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And they're they're still incorporated. Um, wait. They still. They, wait. They're still incorporated. Yeah. Securitas AB. Wait. That's the wait. That's wait. That's the Pinkertons. Wait. Those are the literal Pinkertons. Like they just changed the name. Yeah, the company is now a division of the Swedish security company Securitas AB. It operates as Pinkerton Consulting and Investigations Incorporated. Wait, the Swedish own it? Yeah. What the fuck? 
Yeah, I don't right. want to hear shit about these Scandinavian countries being good places, okay? They do yeah. fucked up shit like every not, other capitalist country. They're not what good. the literal <laughs> shit? What the literal shit? So let me get this straight. So a private armed security force that was originally used to spy on the Confederacy during the Civil War has now been reincorporated into a new corporation with a nice now sounding fancy name that Mm -hmm. is incorporated in the country of Sweden and is Mm -hmm. being used to now spy on American employees, uh, workers and activists for amazon um yeah well among others yeah and then they actually um i'm i went and did like a little research because i was like oh i want to know more about the pinkertons turns out um i actually have a little pinkerton department not only 45 minutes from me in nashville there's three in the united states at least from the map that i'm looking at and one of them's in in nashville what How about the literal that? fuck yeah right not not even that far away <laughs> And and apparently uh, today the company's headquarters are located in Ann Arbor, Michigan. What the literal fuck? Okay, I feel really stupid well, because in my brain, I was uh, in my head. Um, I had already accepted the fact that if there was ever an actual legitimate labor movement in the United States, it would be crushed by a group similar to the Pinkertons that one would Mm -hmm. naturally appear as uh, capitalism felt threatened. But I didn't realize that the literal Pinkertons literally still existed and would be the literal group to crush. They're still doing it. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like I know a lot of shit about this kind of fucked up shit. And the fact that this is completely flown under my radar makes me a little bit disappointed in myself. Well, that was something that, that, caught me off guard about the previous um, story that we were just going over. Like I've never heard of um, McKinsey and company and apparently they're one of the largest consulting firms, uh, you know, to, to ever mar the face of the earth. They're yeah. So, they're evil co they they're yeah. evil co. Yeah. And, but you know, I had never heard about them probably because they don't make a point uh, to interject to themselves into yeah. the public knowledge. Like it's in their benefit to not only, stay on the sidelines until it's their turn to, you know, pass for a touchdown, but, uh, also to complicate the way that corporate America expresses itself so that it's more difficult for people like you and I who try to be informed about these things. Um, uh, how, how we go about ultimately discovering them and, uh, making them known to others. It, it's almost impossible, especially when you consider, um, uh, who's who is uh, incorporated with whom? Who was bought by this company? Whether or not they were dissolved and in you know ultimately uh, delineated into A and B corp, like, it, it it doesn't even matter. Like they're they're so far away from being held accountable. Like every step of the way, like oh well, you know if you don't want to be a sole proprietorship because you don't want to take all of the. Uh, all the responsibility for yourself, you become a limited liability company. And after you yep. become a li- limited liability company, you can, you can literally take a, you know, incorporation status, which I think places like the, the corporation is a separate entity. It's not even you anymore. Like mm. you, you, you are like all legal responsibility is now over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like Purdue Pharma is, is not the Sackler family. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Pinkertons are employed by, you know, maybe em- employed by Amazon right. in order to 
see whether or not they're, um, you know, they, they are going to have to deal with the union soon. Um, mm-hmm. which if there ever was a time, <laughs> well, they're trying to unionize a, uh, one of them in, uh, Alabama. What there's a, there's an Amazon warehouse in Alabama that's currently trying to unionize that. I'm sure all this shit is, uh, mm-hmm. being used in full force against them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, uh, that started happening pretty recently. I don't know all the details, but I know that's something that's happening that, uh, at least it's happening because I mean, uh, I think Amazon is the number two, number one employer in the United States. I think Walmart's still number one for now. I, mm-hmm. I, I think those kind of, I think they're pretty close at this point, but yeah, mm-hmm. for, if they were able to unionize, I mean, that would be incredible, but it's going to be a, a very uphill battle, um, because, Amazon has uh, unlimited resources at their disposal to ensure that it never fucking happens. Yeah. Um, okay, so what what is, in effect, what's going on here? Okay, so you have the Pinkertons who are investigating union activities yeah. within Amazon. Um, and we have, let's see. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems do like we most have... of this one here is in Europe, it would appear on this article. Okay. Talking, I could, I, mean, I could be wrong, but that's what I've gathered. The source will report on the action and the number of participants in an event. Um, okay. Uh, description of what happened. Sometimes there was mention of a strike. Sometimes the distribution of leaflets. Um, so they're, they're, they're making the tick count. Of... Uh, Amazon uses social media to track environmental activism and social movements in Europe, including Greenpeace and Fridays mm-hmm. for Future, environmental activist Greta Thunberg's global climate strike movement, and perceive and perceives such groups as a threat to its operations. In 2019, Amazon monitored the Yellow Vest movement, also known as the Gilet Jaune. I don't know. I probably pronounced it wrong. <laughs> a grassroots uprising for economic justice that spread across France and solidarity movements in Vienna and protest against state repression in Iran. Yeah, what's up with that picture? You see a couple of people who have their hands in tubes. I don't know, man. Are they have they like locked themselves there inside of those tubes so that they can't? You're gonna have to cut my arms off to take me. Yeah, is that effectively how that works? It, it, it's basically the equivalent of a uh, a Chinese finger um, trap, and <laughs> uh, they can't pull their arms out now, and they're mm-hmm. stuck there. Yeah, I mean, they could just be like holding on to like some kind of. Um like rope or chain inside of that tube. That way it's, it's like yeah. impossible for them to cut through it without, you know, dismembering their hands or something like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, silly protesters. You think the cops are worried about hurting your hands? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But speaking of France, have you been seeing what's going on in Paris right now? Oh no, no. Oh my God. So the, okay. So speaking of dystopian nightmare fuel, uh, France is trying to pass a law where it's illegal to video the police effectively. It's under oh, the no. premise that you can't, you're not supposed to video the p- police with intention to cause psychological harm or whatever. But that's just such a loose interpretation that anytime someone videos the police doing bad shit, they could say, "Oh, you, you didn't video the police for good reasons. You videoed the police to cause them psychological harm or whatever the fuck that means." And oh, no. that city is on fire. 46,000 people gathered in parts of the capital? That oh, my is, God. That city is on fire. fucking on fire. The, uh, as they say, the uh, revolution will not be televised. So that's probably why I didn't hear about it. But Whoa. 
It's it's pretty it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. It's a battle zone. They're overturning cars. They've set up barricades. Yeah. Not that the not that the Parisians and French don't always do that, but I feel like this is a more heightened um, <laughs> expression that we haven't seen in a minute. It's in their history. You gotta watch out for that kind of mess, y'all. Yeah, but the but also just the dystopianness of um, France, uh, even trying to pass a law that saying making it illegal uh, to film the police is. Uh, I mean, that in itself is, uh, yeah, dystopian nightmare fuel in itself, and um, yeah, not good. Yeah. Uh, I. Did you send me the video about the guy who um, who randomly got beat up? Uh, he, so he, by, by he Louisville was Metro. Yeah, it, he was just like he was at a McDonald's. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, no, no, uh, you, no, obviously he, he even mentions in the video like I'm li- live streaming this. This could possibly be the most boring live stream of all time. I'm just videotaping it to uh, you know effectively keep solidarity exactly people that have been monitoring in case you do some fucked up shit i'm just trying to hold you accountable by videoing what's going on without a doubt like this like this roided up idiot walks up to him like you can't you can't uh, videotape us because you are now a part of this uh crime you're believed to be suspect um and then they punch him yep punch (laughs) him in the head yeah, and he like he he goes down. You see like the 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 camera go all over the place. Obviously, it's hard to hold a camera straight when you're being punched in the face. Yeah, <laughs> and uh and sure enough, like way to prove the point, dude. Like I don't know if that's like some Tyler Durden like uh, anti um, protesting. Like the police officers, like you know what? I'll take one for the team and punch this guy in the face so that everybody can see just how terrible. Uh, the, the police act to, towards people. I don't. <laughs> oh, like like, like wow, he. Thanks for making such a great example. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was just trying to expose how shitty police officers are. That he was mm-hmm. just trying to. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think there's any depths they won't stoop to at this point. I it's going to take. I don't know what it will take to surprise me at this point. Honestly. Uh, I think something that would surprise me and something that I haven't heard a lot about is people actively resisting uh, police arrests. Like usually whenever you have – It's called death. It's called a death sentence. Well, okay. So – You're putting your life into your own hands at that point. That's that's what would surprise me is if instead of a death sentence, you have a conflict. You know, someone is getting arrested – um, there's obviously no reason for them to be arrested. You know, they're peaceful protesting, so on and so forth. Then you have a group of people who are militants that end up opposing the police force as a result of that person being taken into custody or, or, or something to that effect, which I think they kind of already have with, um, uh, you know, the obviously misrepresented uh, Chaz Chop movement. Um, mm-hmm. Although, you know, I, I, I don't really understand, like, how they could have started out so strongly and then when – time came to defend that location from uh police forces that came back into the area with their their sticks and riot gear that they didn't oppose them just the same way like what happened like well they only were able to secure that location because the police had chosen to leave there was a power vacuum i guess is the best way to put it that there wasn't there was no resistance there was no resistance to them taking over the area in the first place like the police had self-chosen to remove themselves from that area, and then or they so that, had, 
they are you sure that they weren't like um, um, commanded by whatever kind of municipality to leave? Like, I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure it could have been. Yeah, I mean, there was height, you know, uh, yeah, I was at the height of George Floyd protests and stuff like that. So, it, I mean, they're, I don't know, uh, police sergeant, chief, whatever they Optics could have. Bad. Yeah, someone could have, someone higher up probably told them to get the hell out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. And that's what allowed it to pop up in the first place. It's not as if the Chaz Chop people, you know, physically. <laughs> maimed and beat and killed cops to take over that location if that makes sense yeah the location was free they moved in cops came back they pushed them out i feel like there's so many there's so many loose ends in that in that story yeah Um, of course uh yeah like you said it won't be televised um Mm -hmm. so i never heard i i i read a lot about that um but i seldom heard anything outside of um uh personally promoted like live videos mm-hmm. uh, that insinuated that Chop was anything other than uh, a very simple, um, maybe less than run-of-the-mill protest. Um, and what they were doing was totally illegal, and the police were being, uh, um, you know, they were being totally benevolent uh, by restricting their obvious legal right to be able to enforce uh, the law and order uh, mm-hmm. that had been vested to them by you know, people, government, state, whatever, um, you know, as a, as an act to show these protesters that they weren't going to hurt them. And, you know, later only to come to find out that they were, you know, that they were very much willing to just like beat them with a stick or, you know, arrest them or so on and so forth. Um, but why would they have left? I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess the, the optics looks bad. Um, um, and, and anytime a news agency, especially a mass media, um, corporation would present, a movement like that as being in any way, shape, oh, yeah. or form effective. Yeah, um, no, of course not. It, yeah, it stands to um, dishevel that media institution. I mean, they're they're not they're going to lose a lot of power as soon as people recognize that they don't have to get their information from those sources. Or, yep. um, although you know we are going through a couple of like we just went through the New York Times, um, which you know I I can't. I can't trust the majority of the information that I get through the New York Times. Uh, I have no reason to distrust. Uh, you know what's going on in that particular story. I have no reason to necessarily distrust what's going on in Vice, but I do know that they have a very substantial slant, oh, um, uh, and that uh, uh, some something I, I was I was watching a television show the other day, and um, uh, there was someone within uh, there was a character within the story that presented themselves as being a radical. You know, they they said that they were a full time radical and that they were getting their law degree so that they could you know fight the power, and. It, it came across as um, as toothless. It's like, okay, you're a radical because you're going to integrate yourself within a legal system that is designated to prevent you from being able to interact with it in any kind of meaningful way. Like, how do you expect to be a radical by acting within the bounds of, of the law? Like, yeah. how do you expect to be able to prevent a cop from punching you in the face unless that cop is going to constantly be threatened with the idea that you're going to punch them back? Or that there's going to be some kind of retaliation or that they can't just like walk all over people indefinitely in right. order to preserve the fascist law and order that they think is their right to to maintain. Right. Um, I mean it's probably a lot easier just to like uh, assimilate police officers in, um, uh, in, in, a, in a narrative that is more passive. You know like don't, don't be a part of perpetuating this system of violence mm-hmm. but – 
that seems incredibly unlikely, you know, especially when you, uh, when you consider like, uh, like the Stanford prison experiments, for example, like they have uh, unwarranted power. Who's going to give up unwarranted power in the instance that it, at the very least, you know, knocks you a notch above the average oppressed person. It's like, it would really suck to be on that lowest level. Why in the world would you willingly put yourself there if you could, I don't know, make a salary while oppressing all of those people? Like Exactly. Eh. Why not be the person that gets paid to evict people? They're getting evicted anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody's going to do it, and it might as well be you that's putting that, that dough in your pocket. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, I think it gets that much more complicated when you look at people like uh, dispatchers, medics, uh, logistics support analysts, people who are not uh, on the per se front lines, but who support the um, combatants, militants, police officers, so on and so forth that are perpetuating these cycles. And just like we discussed with the the Purdue Pharma instance, you know, the Sacklers can, you know, have a, a little bit of a um, – uh, a plausible deniability because of all of the buffers in between them and whatever incident that they happen to now be insulated from because of all of those buffers and uh, all all of those you know service peoples uh, are certainly collaborating in order to make that situation happen um, and sure sometimes like a, a, a dispatcher doesn't have to universally be um, negative uh, but within the confines of a dispatcher sending a um, you know a police officer to a domestic disturbance, which happens to be a bunch of protesters, like there should be some kind of red flag going off in the average person's mind to note that you know this is this is you being utilized by a system in order to oppress people who are trying to be heard. And mm-hmm. if you willingly do that, then at the some in some way, shape, or form, you're culpable for it. Like. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. That's enough ranties for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, on I guess on some level they are, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know how how accountable they should be held for that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Complex, bad stuff. <laughs> bad. It's all bad. Yeah, and. Uh, Apparently now, I think whenever the Louisville Metro Police, when they uh, kill somebody, I think now instead of them doing a self-investigation, the Kentucky State Police are put, they're supposed to investigate them. But you, we all know how much faith I have in the Kentucky State Police. So it's like, okay, instead of you investigating yourself, we're going to have um, your brother who is exactly like you investigate you. It's like, yeah. They have a reason not to find you guilty too, right? You you understand this, right? Like, mm-hmm. why couldn't you have found something else? Like, literally anything that isn't a police department to do the internal investigation. Like, it, what? It's like the 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 least effort third party you could find is that. Yeah, and I think that that could easily have um uh. The, the viewpoint becomes much better when you just look to the community and say, would you like to democratically choose how we go about internal vesti- investigations? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't get to choose any of the police officers that are there. We didn't get to choose the chief. We didn't get to choose yep. the you know, governor, council, yep. so on and so forth that yep. put those p- people in positions of power. So why in the world are we going to trust uh, another institution that is effectively the same? Exactly. Uh, you know, 
Like it, it just doesn't work. And it's like, oh no, look, now we have tiers of accountability. It's yeah. like, no, it, that's not, that's not at all the case. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's only representative. Uh, that's representative of accountability to people that already trusted the police force to begin with, uh, or, you know, or the ideas of, uh, of cops being the maintainers of law and order. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what an organization would look like that would be able to hold those people accountable. Um, I mean, unless it was just like an IRS looking like institution that would just oh, kind no. of go in and audit them routinely. God damn it. Why, why, why are you bringing up the IRS? Well, the I, IRS I like, can only hurt poor people, Tim. <laughs> that's a segue. <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> yeah. Those are their um, words. I think, honestly, I think we might have already reported on this before because I didn't realize until after I sent it to you. This is from 2019. But it's just reiterating uh, the thing we had talked about, um, I guess, a year ago now mm-hmm. about how it's cheaper in order to uh, audit poor people than it is rich people, which we kind of already talked about before. But yeah. Yep, I did a bad. I did a bad. I shared oh. an old article. It's not too bad. I think it's good to remind the public of what's going on here. Uh, so as we previously discussed, you know, the IRS is going to audit the poor at the same rate as the wealthiest 1%. And it claims that this change, uh, you know, the change from this unequal distribution of um, of investigation isn't going to change unless they are given even more money than they currently already receive. Mm-hmm. Um, so isn't that like the same, it wasn't that the same argument, like a lot of police forces were giving about being able to properly train officers. Like, well, basically what they were <laughs> saying, yes, yes. And, and within that context, they were basically saying like, oh, if you cut our money, then we're basically just going to cut our budgets on all of the stuff that actually helps the community. And we're going to keep, you know, all of the military gear and uh unlawful use of force against people that's when you're basically going to cut out like any of the good stuff like the the medics that are on the on the you know the police officers payroll out you know the uh anyone that's like out there to do like any intervention like to for any mental health issue or anything like that out skis Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah it's a it's a similar yeah it's a it's a similar argument and i say you know if you can't fucking audit the wealthiest one percent then don't you can't audit poor people either samesies you know i mean mm-hmm. like that seems fair it's like okay here here's your options you can either uh leave you you can uh either leave them both alone or maybe you should just spend all your resources just going over the after the wealthiest one percent because they're the ones doing all the shady shit anyways you yeah. know i'm 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 more willing to <clears throat> acknowledge that uh like honestly you know a working poor person they probably just didn't know how to fill it out correctly or couldn't afford the resources to pay an accountant to do it correctly because I think the United States is one of the few if not the only first world countries that makes the citizens themselves do the legwork like I think most other places are just like here you go, <laughs> this is what you owe. We're the fucking government. <laughs> We do it ourselves. Yeah, I I think you make a lot of good points there. But when it when it comes down to the bottom line, the IRS is there to to m- make tax revenues for the government. Yeah. Yeah. So how are they going to get that 
the easiest way, the path of least resistance is to just exactly. take advantage of poor folks. Which is exactly uh, the exact same path of least resistance with police officers yes. to make to make them look good. Is yeah. it's, uh, it's way more easy to abuse and get your arrest numbers up for your quotas by going after poor people than actually doing legitimate police work. Yeah, but what is it? What does it look like if your police force is just going rogue and it's like, well, you know, like um, uh, Obama is a technically a war criminal. We're going to go and take him out of the White House and hold him accountable or whatever. You know that that doesn't look good for your country. <laughs> Wait, there's all there's all there's all kinds of uh, um, uh, I mean, like if you if you're within a top down hierarchy, and you're going and attacking the very tippy tippy top of your hierarchy, you know what does that look like as far as um, uh, as far as uh, 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 your stereotypical optics towards whatever given organization that happens to act by the same rules. It just looks I'm like not, a power grab. I'm not saying they got to be vigilante Superman, Batman combo moves. I'm just saying they could <laughs> actually go to their communities, like figure out what they need and help them, right? Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, because, I mean, poor communities, I think even like mo- a lot of poor communities, I mean, I'm not in a poor community, but there are legitimate issues with violent crime and um, drugs and stuff like that. And maybe, you know, there's different levels and there's, it's one thing to like be a dude that sells weed. It's another thing to be a dude that's like trying to sell hard drugs, like kids outside of a high school, right? There's things you can do to try to make a community safe. I mean, you've got sex offenders and stuff like that, that prey on kids, you know, like there's things they could be doing that would be harder work, right? to try to make these places legitimately safe as opposed to just going for low hanging fruit is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Like crime does exist. We can talk about the reasons why crime exists and like it's bad and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we, it's going to take an uh, institutionalized change, you know, uh, bottom up, top down, all of it's got to fucking change. Right. But like within the system that we currently exist, like they could be, doing better as opposed to you know punching people in the face mm-hmm. and um i don't know just just trying to meet quotas much much like the irs much like in the case with the irs here they could be trying to use their limited resources to go after the wealthiest people yeah that are doing the most fucked up shit as opposed to just going after um poor motherfuckers that don't have much to give anyways right Mm-hmm. Not not saying it makes sense or that it's realistic or uh, materialistic or like it makes like any kind of contextual sense for that to be the way. I, I obviously, like you were saying, like it, mm-hmm. it happens the way that it does because it's the path of least resistance. Yeah, I'm just saying it doesn't have to be this way. That's all. Well, I think it also happens this way. So uh, you're familiar with the? Uh, oh, of course, you're familiar with David Graeber bullshit jobs. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, for all our listeners out there, um, I think we've talked about David Graeber before, um, but there's one classification of bullshit job that it seems like a lot of our stories have been uh, – uh, that's today's theme. Uh, we're pretty bullshit much discussing – Bullshit jobs. We're discussing goons. Uh, so it's effectively a bullshit job in which a goon is totally unnecessary unless the people who you are combating or, or who are averse to whatever your ends might be also have goons, right? So mm-hmm. in this particular instance, the IRS is saying, fund us so that we can have more goons to combat these corporations' goon squads. Yeah. 
so that we can take more money from them uh, or, you know, whatever, so that they can pay an amount of taxes that is commiserate with what we're taking from everyone else, which, of course, right. you know, let's not get into whether or not taxation is legitimate or not. But here yep. um, in this particular case, they're actually admitting to having an, you know, an unequal targeting of, of poor people in relation to. You know these these guys that have teams of of guardians. Uh, you know these right. these professional chefs uh, that are constantly cooking those books, so that it takes <laughs> senior auditors hours upon hours to complete exams, and that all of these goons, uh, I mean senior auditors, uh, yeah. experience a much higher rate of attrition. Uh, so I assume that that means that they either quit because the job's really hard, or they just straight up get killed <laughs> yeah <He> was goons. <laughs> right you just can't compete with the lawyers and everything else that they stack up against you from yeah, it's, it's cheaper the uh the wealthiest one percent of what they can afford mm-hmm. uh as a, a legal team to oppose any kind of <laughs> uh anything that the irs could try to do to try to <clears throat> hold them accountable <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah it, it would be yeah, you would need like a literal nerd audit army to try to combat it. A nerd audit army. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds pretty lame. <laughs> <laughs> it would be lame. It's it that's a, that's the thing with white collar crime. It's fucking lame. It's all these weird shitty loopholes of putting your money abroad. I mean, we had the Panama Papers that came out. I can't remember how long ago that showed us how all the wealthiest elites uh including people like Donald Trump, I think were listed in there and all kinds of other fucking people. Mm-hmm. Uh, found all kinds of cool ways to launder and hide and move their money around to pay. I mean, as we know, the the richest uh, people in the country pay an effectively lower uh, uh, tax rate than the poorest, right? There's like a mm-hmm. cutoff. You know, you see people like the more they make, the more they get taxed, and then it hits a certain point, and then it just goes straight down. <laughs> it's like more tax, more tax, more tax, and you broke the game. You won. <laughs> you did it. It, it's it's kind of like the old school arcade games where uh, there's only so many slots for uh, your score where the nines or eventually it's just all nines and it can't go up anymore. That's effectively what these rich people have done with their taxes. They've just completely broken the game and it can no longer process any more money after a certain point of how much they should have to pay uh, commiserate to what everyone else has to pay. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like that they don't even have to dedicate that much resource to either convincing the public, uh, you know, making sure that public sentiment is on their side in terms of uh, taxing them at much higher rates than the rest of the populace, um, or uh, literally combating the goons of the IRS or something like that by, you know, uh, making the pathway to where this money is going, you know, more and more obscure to the point that it's impossible for even the most senior of analysts to be able to discover where it's going. So thereby making it, you know, uh, you know, in- inevitable, uh, inevitably untaxable. Well, people talk about, you know, countries like North Korea or China, that the people must be so propagandized to have positive thoughts about their government. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the, the layers of uh, American exceptionalism and concepts like meritocracy are just, baked into you at birth as an american citizen and how uh these same ideas are kept ever present in uh the uh, mainstream media news space 
where they have uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates on to discuss, uh, have uh, a conversation of whether capitalism or socialism is better. Wow, you got Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, two of some of the richest people on the planet. Of course, they're going to give you a bias frame to view it from. Of course, they're going to say capitalism's fucking dope. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so it's works easy to me. see. It works for me, right? So it, yeah, it it doesn't put much. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't ever see the other side. You don't uh, even for the allow American citizens even uh, the opportunity to have some form of self-reflection of well maybe this isn't good (laughs) maybe it is bad that these people have so much it's not yeah it's not it's not on the table for discussion most of the time not even an option for discourse unfortunately and the egotism is so so rampant you 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 effectively have a bunch of uh a bunch of folks that are similar to the um uh the louisville police department guy that that punched that the video recorder in the face like yeah. that that type of mentality just how could you be so how so brazen so so idiotic yeah uh that you're going to ignore this information that's staring you in the face right uh, like something like the panama papers right um right. which you said uh, um that was april of 2016 that that started to be leaked um okay. dating all the way back to the 1970s of course um but uh you know the information staring people in the face, and the fact that uh, you yeah, know you we're don't still have to having... look very hard, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but before the stuff got leaked, we could we could go. Well, it would make sense for them to do it, but we don't know. But I mean, mm-hmm. you just you do the slightest of Google searches, you can just find. Yeah. Anyways, please continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you the the slightest of Google searches. Um, uh, you know, heaven forbid you pick up a book. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you know, if if you want like the most you know, uh, a superficial glance at a topic, you know, go look up a YouTube video about it. Like you can, you can get like the, the, the super stream, uh, information, you know, just straight to the dome. Uh, there you go. Uh, the thing that I find with a lot of these really basic information outlets, um, you know, quick articles, sound bites, uh, headlines on a Google feed, uh, people are getting, um, uh, a, a very simple view. And even if it's the correct information, uh, mm-hmm. it's not complex enough to be able to have, uh, and maybe an adequate enough discourse to be able to dissuade, uh, individuals who have no intention of being dissuaded. Um, not, not that that's the way to do it. I, I don't think that, I don't think that human nature lends itself to that very well. I um, mean, well, the thing that fucking makes me so depressed, it makes me wonder, uh, if it's even possible to change people's minds is wasn't there that study that showed when you show people actual evidence that they're even less likely to change their mind and they dig their heels in more mm-hmm. when they're presented with, uh, you know, like data and scientific or whatever kind of evidence that disproves them wrong, that they, they just dig their heels in more for whatever side they're already on. It's like if, if actual basis evidence doesn't persuade you, like what, what else is there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What what else? Well, I mean, (laughs) if you, if you're able to stigmatize the source and I, I hear that uh, quite a bit. In fact, we discussed it a little bit earlier when we were discussing New York times and vice and some other, um, you know, biased news outlets as if there's ever such a thing as a non-biased, yeah, exactly. uh, source. Um, uh, that, 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 that becomes like the, the primary way of attacking information. It's like, Oh, where did you get the information from? Um, people have 
no desire to discuss something at face value. It's like, let, let's just develop a premise for a moment um, that uh, I want to bring up a, a conversation that I was having with some folks uh, in earlier um, last week. Um, you know, I, I was making a cursory comment about uh, uh, about colonization and how um, mm. colonization uh, has led way to some of the ills of our modern world, um, and mm-hmm. in particular the exploitation of the global south and right. uh, many areas that simply seem to be uh, um, resource mines for uh, what we would call developed countries. And yep. instead of taking that as a premise and discussing, okay, well, so if that is true, then yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, then instead they were like, oh, well, you know, I don't think colonization's bad. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's not something that I expected any person to ever say, but let's talk about that. Well, yeah, I mean, at least they're, the, the, the mask is ripped off. It's like, okay, well, you saved me a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, I want to be go- able to discuss that with people. Like, I, like, I don't want yeah. to immediately be like, you're evil. You know, like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that's, that's like one step removed of like, of like, try, like I don't think slavery's bad. Well, that's effectively what they said. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't too far off from that. <laughs> that's what I'm um, saying. It's one step removed. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's like as the conversation developed, it's like the the conversation became more and more airy. You know, like we we're getting farther and farther away from. Uh, when you say airy, do you mean Aryan? <laughs> airy. <laughs> yeah. Got him. <'em. laughs> I got him, man. <laughs> uh. It was yeah. It's just like without substance, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's just about uh, ideals and idealism and how yeah. the what how things should be without actually looking at the material world and how things actually work and look. Yeah, which is is all well and good. I mean, there's a time and a place for. Nah, um, it's not good. <laughs> those types of like, oh, you don't you don't like uh, um, you know epistemological debates or. <laughs> no, not not so much. <laughs> say way way out there um oh yeah it got it got kind of rough um let's see how did how did that develop what, what was the i think uh i so i was i was having like one of those like roundtable discussions where uh you know several of the people i was discussing with were were kind of on a similar side where they were like oh yeah colonization's not completely bad and i was just sitting over here all by myself which i was like man oh shit i'm really glad i'm like the 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 lone uh, correct person Fuck, here. <laughs> it's very few times where I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I am totally confident that I am absolutely on the right side of history by saying what I've just done. And then <laughs> having like a, like a swath of people like, no, 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 no. You see colonization no. is not bad. And here's why. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think you already won the conversation just by not being on the side that said colonization is good. So yeah, I mean, hats off to you, no matter how, what happened afterwards. I mean, <laughs> You well, can at least you can't make points. You can, yeah, you can at least go away knowing that you were on the right side of the conversation. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, who sits around a table and just like, God damn, it's just it's just so nice we can like, take all these resources from these other co- countries so we can have cheap TVs. Like, this is it's mm-hmm. so good and it's cool too because it gives the kids jobs over there. You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, who like who would they mine coltan for if I wasn't mm-hmm. buying smartphones? You know, like I mean. Buying a smartphone is the equivalent of giving money to a food bank, if you really think about it. It's giving money to a food bank in an African child's belly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how else would they be able to subsidize themselves if they weren't just ripping natural resources from the guts of their country to sell it to us us developed nations, you know? 
Yeah, I don't know. What else would they do? Um, uh, yeah, I can only assume that someone that thinks colonization is dope hasn't really looked at it and thought about what it looks like in the real world very much. It's just kind of like this thing that kind of exists out in the ether, you know? It's just like, <laughs> there's this thing that's like out there that happens, and I don't know how it works or what it looks like or what it does, but I know that I got a smartphone in my hand, so it, it must be doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how sad. <laughs> Yeah, I, it doesn't even it doesn't even go that far though because I feel like if I was to make the initial comment that I did in that discussion, then at the very least we would be able to develop a premise off of that. But we couldn't even get that far. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. even just make like a make passing comment like it's colonization's uh, pad. Oh yeah, actually, like, <laughs> like Africa is in like such shitty straits because of colonization, and then they're like, well, wait a second, what's colonization? It's like okay, well. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to have to take time to explain what that was. I didn't want to be a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to discuss the other <laughs> point that I made. Like that yeah. was in relation to something that was a little bit more complex that I thought everybody was ready to talk about. Oh, well, you, you know, know heaven forbid you... getting to something like, oh, well, you know, institutionalized racism is a result of colonization. <laughs> it's like no way. Like we, we're we're so many degrees uh, away from all right so we're like so we're okay so we're on step one we are on the lowest of steps here we're going to try to build a foundation from here um i'm going to run you through a uh, a basic geography civics class uh, sociology i'm going to try to do that all in six sentences <laughs> yeah it's like you have to make it short enough that people are still going to pay don't attention. turn off their brains yeah mm-hmm. lest they just uh, be like yeah. no 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 no. i'm going to like develop some kind of like quippy sounding phrase that That sounds uh, good freedom yeah Yeah, but i support freedom so everything you said sucks (laughs) yeah well freedom supports colonization (laughs) and what if i'm trying to delineate freedom to the colonized people i have a good idea and i think that they need to hear about that idea so bada bing bada boom yeah but what if the colonization had brought jobs you know, what's that? <laughs> I know. I said, what if the colonization brought jobs? You know. Yeah. What if it was? What if it was job related? What if I was a job creator and I needed to ensure that people had work? You know, that's that's a good thing. Colonization's a good thing. If, at that if point. we weren't colonizing them, these kids would have nothing to do. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side, like somebody was going like a uh, like total warlord route, where they were like, uh, um. Well, colonization isn't wrong because it's justified through the end result of colonization, which was what? the strong succeeded. And oh, just, no. Oh, whoa. God. So like some d- weird Darwinian shit, but yeah. like applied to a fucked up mass scale. Well, you yeah. see, the blacks deserve to be slaves because exactly. the whites just had better guns. And yeah, basically, mm-hmm. you can justify any horrible thing in the world that exists because there was some kind of power struggle that happened where mm-hmm. one side won and another side lost. And yeah, it's just like a self-fulfilling prophecy. No matter what happens, whatever's happening in the world, it happened the right way because that's what's happening right now. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> what well, the fuck? It's such circular right logic. Good. That's, that's, why we're, that's why we're being critical of what's <laughs> happening right now because <laughs> yeah. right now is not good. You see, right now is bad, actually. So... <laughs> I don't know if you've thought about this before, but maybe right now is bad. <laughs> maybe not so good. Um, so, maybe maybe little question. It is like everything is based off of <laughs> I know right now is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it comes from, yeah from this place of like we are currently. That's like the opposite of conservatism too, because conservatism is usually you know a trying to go backwards to go forwards deal that we lived in yeah. some you know perfect unimaginable past, uh, a garden of Eden. And that if we could just like 
correct the wrongs we could get back there but like that's like in i feel like that's an even like more perfect conservatism of uh, when you once the conservatives have already won it's just that actually right now is perfect and to change anything would disrupt everything and ruin the perfectness of the perfect sphere that we currently reside inside of <laughs> you know I, I don't even know if it's that maybe it's more so just like uh I appreciate the privileged position that I am in currently, and because that is the case, I have to make a justification, you know, through this weird circle logic. That's fair. I think that's a lot of it, um, which shows that people are able to identify their class interest within a hierarchy, right? They've been able to recognize that they are a part of what I would call a labor aristocracy where they're, well, even though they are proletariats, they are proletariats of the first world and they realize that their material interest has been tied into the exploitation of, of the global South, which you can, mm-hmm. which, um, shows that people can identify their class interest. I just wish that they would take an extra step to realize that the same exploitation that we're using on the global self is being imposed on them mm-hmm. and that we could create an even more perfect world and society where no one has to be exploited, where their well-being isn't reliant on people being exploited in mm-hmm. third world countries, right? It's it's fine it's fine to want to protect your material interest and not and want to have a decent quality of life where you can put food in your belly and, you know, buy some video games or whatever but like it's a whole nother thing to think that the only way you can achieve it is by exploiting people in the third world Mm -hmm. it's like let me open this other window (laughs) let me open this other door and show you you don't have to support a fascist hellscape uh imperial hell world that we currently live in we could actually have all the same nice things through door number two (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh all all of those things uh would would probably change their look just a little bit i i don't know if you could maintain the um I, i don't think that you get the exact same effect i think a lot of things change if you if you don't have exploitation as part of that system Things would change, and I would agree to the extent that we would have to change our consumption mm-hmm. patterns in the United States. Like, we wouldn't be able to have an, our entire economy based off of buying junk constantly um, <laughs> because we wouldn't be, have this influx of cheap junk. Uh, but I, I would argue that our quality of life would go up in things such as medical and our housing and just, like, knowing we would have a roof overhead because our basic needs would be come rights that we would, couldn't just have taken away for not having enough money. Mm-hmm. And you'd probably also have more free time and other stuff because we would get rid of all these bullshit jobs that really mm-hmm. shouldn't exist in the first place. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you would you would have, I mean, unless you consider your entire quality of life based on buying cheap shit, then yes, your quality of life would go down the shitter. But as long as you don't see your quality of life as intrinsically tied to buying cheap shit, your quality of life would improve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so which one of these, uh, I really like these like, uh, okay. So bullshit jobs. Uh, so apparently there are five types of bullshit jobs. Which ones do you think would go away first? And which ones do you think would hold on even after we have uh, more effective supply chains and, uh, um, uh, you know, the reduction of a reserve labor force and um, ensuring that everyone's basic needs are met based on those first two assumptions. 
Paul, so I don't know what the five categories are. Do you want to see what the five categories are? Yeah, really let me let me list head. them off real quick. So you have flunkies, so people who are there just to make other people feel important, administrative assistants, door attendants, that sort of thing. Goons, which we explained. Duct tapers, right. people who temporarily fix problems that could be fixed permanently. Um, so like a programmer that's repairing a shoddy code. Uh, box tickers, so people who create the appearance that something useful is being done when they're not. Uh, like uh, corporate compliance officers, in-house magazine journalists, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or taskmasters uh, who manage or create extra work for people who don't need it. Uh, middle managers are a good example of a taskmaster. So I'm going to say something that's going to turn a lot of people off, but I think is a real-world example, which I think gives it weight of what would go away first. And I think the field of advertising would go away first, mm-hmm. that because there would be no money incentivized for it because we would no longer have a requirement on um, trying to make people consume so you know billboards people that make uh, commercials um, uh, people that make uh, ads online ad videos um, the actors that perform in ads there's so much that goes into ad revenue YouTube ads uh, Facebook ads uh, magazine ads ads on the buses so all the people goons or box tickers I honestly, I am not for certain. I'm not for certain because, like, the thing is too is because ads. I feel like it's just such like there's so many different components of people that work on it, of the actors and then the people that think of it and design it. So I'm not quite sure what that would fit in. So couldn't you also say, at least from <laughs> being relatively facetious here, right? Couldn't yeah. you also say that the educational institutions of uh, of our world are in some way, shape, or form advertising their content? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, even legitimate ones. In this high, yeah, even in this, right. We talked about this earlier of how, like, American exceptionalism and, like, meritocracy and that stuff, it's like, and patriotism, it's, like, all forced onto you at a young age. Like, I think, yeah. I, but I think that work would still stay. It would just change, right? I guess, you know, the new world that we'd be living in where we um, aren't. <laughs> exploding the global south and doing all these other horrible things and not no longer living in a capitalist society like there'd be new norms that would be pushed onto you because as we said earlier there's no such thing as like a non-biased perspective the bias would be different and i would argue the bias would be better but it's still going to be there and it'd still be a job that needed to be performed Mm -hmm. like regardless um and but the real world example of ads on existing, and this is where I'm going to really turn people off, is in North Korea because basically since they don't, they have a socialized economy and they don't have uh, capitalism as we know it, um, I've watched videos of people, because American citizens can't go there, but British people and Australians and people from all other place can, and people were saying that the biggest thing that they noticed when they were there is like the complete lack of ads. Like this country was made for you, Tim. Not really, but like from this perspective, it was made for you is that they don't have any billboards. Like there's no signs. Like there's no anything trying to get you to buy shit. It's just cities. Like they have roads and they have streetlights and they have buildings, but they said that it felt like something was missing everywhere you went just because you weren't being constantly bombarded with advertising on every nook and corner, which Mm. I thought was interesting. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Mm. Well, so yeah, but I I can see like advertising is is is, is, is albeit kind of from my perspective as someone who's not advertising any particular product to a, you know such a profound degree that I'm spending what is it supposed to be like twenty percent 
of, oh, of your yeah. budget on marketing and advertising. Um, right. Like, I, you know, I'm, I intend to have my own business one day, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I understand in any way, shape, or form what some of these companies are doing in order to promote themselves. And, of course, you have to be able to promote yourself in uh, a competitive marketplace. You have to be right. able to, uh, you know, put your idea front and center in front of your your audience, your target audience, and just shove it down their throat day after day, minute by minute, uh, until your idea is the first on on their mind at all times. Yep. Um, so I feel like it's just it's like hacking um, the way in which people just think about the world in general to yep. constantly bombard them with the same idea again and again and again. So getting rid of something like that or having that fall by the wayside, I feel like is going to be one of the last things that we as a culture are able to be educated enough or resilient enough to resist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not, not, I, I, and I don't, I don't want to say that like, I wouldn't like to see that go first. I think you're totally right. Like I would probably love an area of the world that was naturally resistant to advertising or, you know, that, that we could be, um, uh, you know, solidified in our concepts against uh, that that invasive type of advertising that that seems to be evident, uh, you know, the world round, and you know, especially right. the United States. Like, I, I I used to kind of like the image of cityscapes, um, but now I can't stand them. Like, I I, I look <laughs> at these massive billboards, of the, you know, huge TVs that are that are larger oh, than the yeah. houses you live in, and they're just like screaming advertisements at you um just constantly uh you know you you can't look at your at any given device like you know we we both have a computer screen in front of us and you know i can't say that i see any advertisements right now in front of me but that doesn't mean that there aren't all these advertisements that are peripherally on the on the edges of the screen things that are working their way into my mind that i'm not consciously aware of right now um but but will help me um better associate with uh, various brands and uh you know i'm sure that there are a lot of like corporate sounding lingo which effectively equate to brainwashing (laughs) oh yeah i mean yeah that's literally what it is for certain Mm -hmm. yeah that you don't even realize that it just kind of seeps its way into your brain yeah see i have this little thing over on the corner here that says like actually colonization is not all that bad Hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah i'll give it a thought about it it a little think oh okay I'm going to flex okay. some thanks muscles over there. Well, I didn't, you know, I've never been exposed to that idea before, but now I, now uh, it's it's uh, tearing away at my fortitude. And, you know, maybe this colonization thing isn't so isn't so bad. I mean, it's not so bad after all. <laughs> I learned something today. <laughs> it's fucked. It's all fucked. All right, man. It's all fucked. Are you, uh, is it, are we good? Is this it? Yeah. Let's, let's, go ahead, let's go ahead and call it there. I think the Pinkertons are on to us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can do so by emailing us at syndicatepowermen at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you there. You can also like us on Facebook at Cynic Empowerment, or you can tweet at us on the Twitter at Cynic Empower Me One. We would love to hear from you. It would mean a lot to us. And if you're listening to us through any of the listening apps out there, please, for the love of God, please, for the love of God, please, like and review the show. It means a lot to us and it helps other people find us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, helps you find us like the lone, non-corrupt service worker inside of the McKinsey and Company Corporation. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take it down from the inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going, I'm going to, I don't know. Helps I'm going to create this, like, hmm? uh, the, uh, union organizer inside of Amazon. Wait, well, wait, no, it helps you find us. Yes. Like the, yeah. From the Pinkertons finding. Yes. From exactly. the Pinkertons perspective. Yeah. Yeah. From the Pinkertons perspective. Yes. <laughs> helps you find us. Like uh, the cop's fist finds guy's head. It. <laughs> this episode's all about finding stuff. Did you notice this? Helps us, helps you find us like the IRS finds yeah. an endless supply of poor people to audit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> We're nailers. <laughs>